Sometimes great things happen by accident with the wonderful Kate Gunn. Kate and I recorded this episode in a broom cupboard, basically at the back of the Happy Pear Cafe in Greystones Island, to the point that one of the lads that works there just burst in, in the middle of the podcast to drop his jacket into the broom cupboard. It was high tech, but it was a beautiful conversation. And I'd only just met Kate seconds before. And here we were stuffed into a podcast, waxing lyrical about all things alcohol free before packing up the equipment and going for a swim in the Irish Sea. That just sums it up so beautifully. And we got a chance to talk about Kate's lovely book, The Accidental Soberista, and where we go into all different realms of alcohol freeness and how she stumbled into this life very much like I did. And it was quite symbolic that here we were meeting for the first time ever. We recorded this lovely podcast. We got to know each other. Then we went for a swim and we came back for a coffee. It was joyous. I think you're going to love this episode. Deep dive in with us and wallow in the alcohol free goodness that is Kate Gunn. All right, let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition really, really simple. And for me, that works perfectly, right? Because I need simple things because I'm but a simple person. And I've been using Athletic Greens, or AG1, as it's now known, for years and years and years, well in advance of them sponsoring the podcast, which made it so cool when they offered I found out about Athletic Greens through some other podcasting heroes of mine, Tim Ferriss, Rangan Chatterjee, Rich Roll, all have been and are many of them promoters of AG1 because they've all used it like myself. And the reason I used it is probably for the same reasons that they did, because life is difficult to maintain effective nutrition all the time. We get stressed out. We run out of time. We just don't have the capacity to eat the quality nutritional food that we would like. Therefore, for me, Athletic Greens fills that gap. AG1 fills that gap for me. It's super simple. I just fill up a glass of water. I just pour in a scoop, mix it up, drink it. I'm done. Off to an absolute flyer for the day. Now, this is controversial, I know, but I've just got into, over the last year or so, fasting. So I take a decent break between eating. So what I've done, rather than having Athletic Greens AG1, the first thing that I get up, I actually have it the first thing before I consume food. So if I've been fasting till midday, for example, or 1pm, the first thing I do now is have my glass of AG1. Because then in my mind, the first thing that hits my body after a decent fast could be a 16, 18 hour fast at just all the goodness of AG1. That is how you start an optimal day. Okay, so what's in it? Well, one scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, vinerals. What are vinerals? I don't know what vinerals are. They're probably like minerals with vitamins. Whole food sourced ingredients included a multivitamin, a multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. The special blend of high quality bioavailable ingredients in a scoop of AG1 work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, support energy and focus, aid with gut health and digestion, and support a healthy immune system. Effectively, replacing multiple products or pills with one healthy, delicious drink. What could be better than that? 
It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of added sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals and stuff or artificial anything, while keeping it tasting amazing. Join the movement of athletes, life leads, mums, dads, alcohol-free adventurers, first-timers, and everyone in between taking ownership of their daily health and focusing on the nutritional products they really need in the simplest manner possible. This is like essentialism for nutrition, and I love it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. All right, let's do this. Kate, welcome. Thank you. Welcome to my podcast studio. <laughs> it is beautiful. <laughs> well, we're in Ireland at the moment. We're at the Happy Pair uh, venue in Greystones, and we're in a little back room, broom cupboard style environment, which is pretty cool because the last podcast I recorded was in my hire car. So we've, okay. we're leveling up. gone up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> this is the posh version of the setup. So I'm thrilled to have you uh, with me today. This is going to be really exciting because I love your book. I've read your book. We bumped into each other just recently on a BBC World Service podcast with the lovely Annie Grace. Amazing, Annie Grace. And then I heard your story and went, oh, that's so cool. It was so cool to hear, you know, your adventures in around, you know, one, you know, beer and then your own, I guess, sober journey or alcohol free journey and then the book. So I thought it'd be fantastic to sort of share some of that story with our listeners. Um, we'll get to the book a bit later, but I thought if we start all the way back, what started your, your journey towards this alcohol free adventure? Um, so like anyone, I think um, you don't just wake up and decide. Uh, and I always say like mine wasn't a kind of rock bottom story. It was yeah. just a, like like yourself, I think, just, you know, that normal grey area drinking, totally accepted by society and you never really question it apart from when you have a hangover. Um, so it was never in my mind to give up at all. Uh, and then my um, ex-husband, Christian, he stumbled on the One Year No Beer website and Part of it was like he was declaring that he was going to do these 90 days alcohol free. And that was like the first instant that anyone like directly in my life had said like, oh, I'm going to yeah. take a break from alcohol. And I thought it was madness. I was like, no way. He's never going to do 90 days. Like that's stupid and crazy. And why would you want to? Exactly. Um. So anyway, he started his uh, 90 days. And after a little while, after a few weeks, like I noticed the change in him. He mm. was calmer. He was happier. He was out hiking at the weekends with the kids. Um, and I was like, just hmm, just kind of a, like a, a pause for thought. Uh, and then my brother, Liam, he noticed the change as well. And he was like, oh, I'm going to have a, a bit of that. I'm going to do the 90 days as well. So he signed up and it was just like, what is going, what is going on, on here? This like, your this husband is like your, and your brother. My ex-husband, my oh, brother. Sorry. And like, you're choosing to give up alcohol. I just couldn't like... 
And um, having fun. And like, and fine without it. Like it was like stuff. hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was like the the first little inklings, I suppose, in my head. Um, and then my partner Aeon, um, so it's all like little paths that kind of combine uh, yeah. to, to make the decision. So um, Aeon had uh, been having stomach issues with reflux um, and had been to the doctor and he said, oh, you know, alcohol might aggravate that. So mm. why don't you take a break for 30 days and just see if it makes a difference? Uh, so he came back from the doctor and said, oh, you know, look, I'm going <laughs> to think yeah. I'm going to do the 30 days as well. Uh, and it was a bit of like, oh, for folks' sake. Like, what is going uh, on? Yeah, Everyone around I'm you. Gonna, I'm going to have to join you on this, aren't I? So I said, This is the opposite, really, yeah. of what most people's experience is. Most people's experience is they're the only one. That's yeah, true, whereas yeah. this is quite nice. This is one of the first times I've sort of heard the reverse. In fact, I think yeah. it is the first time. Um, and I gave a talk on it once and it was like, it all kind of stemmed from that, like the power of one. So yeah. one person in your social yeah. circle does it and the knock-on implications like that that can have. Um, and so, yeah, so when I started, it was the 30 days and that was all I was doing. And I was kind of doing it reluctantly um, and had full intentions of going back to the beer afterwards. Um, and yeah, we just did the 30 days, but like went into it with the, the one year, no beer mindset yeah. of kind of seeing what we could get out of it uh, instead of like that idea of deprivation. Perfect. And I think that is so important. I was talking about this yesterday, actually, on the Happy Pair podcast, that that mindset of we're not giving anything up, we're gaining all these advantages. Mm. That's the key bit, isn't yeah. it? Because I think so many people come to this challenge or a break from alcohol, let's just say typically mm. dry jam, mm. which is a wonderful movement and a brilliant idea. But so many people, myself included, go into that of one of depri deprivation. It's like the weather's shite. It's going to be rubbish. I'm going to lock myself away for a month. Oh, my God, this is so boring. And all they do is reaffirm to themselves they need alcohol mm -hmm. to drink. So I think for a lot of people, that whole break there has the absolute opposite effect. I think it actually sets them up for years of extra drinking because they're like, I know now. I know not drinking's rubbish. Yes. Drinking's great. When actually, if you flip your mindset, that's where all the magic is, I think. Yeah, so true. And I did that dry January as well and was like, hated it uh, and was always saying to people, no, don't do it. Why would you do that? Yeah. Like worst time of the year. Um, but yeah, totally. That was that was absolutely just the mindset. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? So then you're starting to pick up a bit of momentum. You decide to go at it with this fresh mindset. Yeah, so we uh, signed up to a 10K run in the dark uh, and started training for oh, that. Because that was just, was it yesterday or the day before? A good oh, friend gosh. of mine, Andrew Oates, run it. Um, we were in Brooks Hotel in Dublin. He went, I've got to go. And he was all dressed up in all these luminous gear and he literally started running through the foyer of the, the hotel. Brilliant out onto the street to do his 10k for running the dark brilliant yeah really cool. it's a great it's a great event um but that gave us kind of something to focus on uh, yeah. rather than like what we were missing out on so it was all about you know the saturday and sunday morning runs rather than the friday and saturday nights um so that helped as well so that was kind of the 30 days and we didn't really go out much um kind of hid away wasn't very comfortable in like going out to meet friends and and go to the pub and stuff um, but at the end of the 30 days, we both kind of said, you know what, that was that was really good. We did a lot. We feel good. Will we do another 30? Mm. Uh, and that was literally how it went. It was like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. But the 90 days would cover Christmas, which was like a Whoa. huge um, challenge in my head. Like Christmas was all about the alcohol. Uh, so, yeah, that was the, that was the first then big like, you know, can we can we do this? And I, if we can do this, we can do anything. Yeah. And 
by the time this podcast goes out, probably prior to Christmas, so there'll be a lot of people apprehensive about that. I think it's that big social month of the year that mm. most people are fearful of about not drinking. And isn't that, when you actually just get some sort of distance from that and look in, it's, it's a shame, isn't it? That that beautiful month of the year that's all about giving and connection and family has now been so associated with alcohol, mm. the thoughts of doing that without alcohol scares the life out of most people. Yeah, I have a theory about Christmas um, that, you know, there's so many people who just hate it and who dread it. Uh, and I think a lot of that is due to... Um, like so many things around alcohol so all those nights that you go out and you know when you're kind of you're dragging yourself out Can't and you don't want to go oh. uh but like you know it might be your third night on the trot yeah. or you'd rather much rather stay in but you've committed to this thing so it's like those so many nights out you're spending money that you don't have so you're going to be like have, have no money in january yeah. um you've got all those hangovers by the end of christmas you feel absolutely shite uh because of all of those like drinking episodes and like, I think that that's why a lot of people, they just have that feeling of, oh, God, I'm going to feel like that again. Uh, and that that apprehension of Christmas is partly due to all that alcohol and, and all those social events around it. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely like a, a challenge the first time. And, and you're right. You think like that you're it's going to like be really difficult. But there's so much magic uh, oh. in Christmas without it. And that was a real surprise for you. And, yeah. and same for me. I would dread I would literally look at my social calendar over Christmas and it would hurt. Mm. You know, I'd almost it would physically hurt in my bones. I'd be like, oh, no, I've got a Tuesday, I've got a Wednesday, I've got a Thursday, and then I've got a best friends thing on the, the Saturday, and, and I'll just look at it and dread Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And then we did my first alcohol-free Christmas, and it was joyous. Mm. I was out more than I was previously, because what would happen in past Christmases, I'd do the Tuesday, I'd do the Wednesday, and then I just couldn't handle the yeah. Thursday. I'd be out, I'd be sick, I'd be, you know, that anxiety. I'd flake on the Thursday, maybe then scrape out on the... Saturday, what I found is when I went alcohol-free, I could do all those events. Right enough, I wasn't staying there till 2am yeah. or all that silliness. I was turning up, having the banter, having the crack, you know, being joyous, being on it, and then ducking out when yeah. it got messy. I didn't have to get a taxi, well, or play the or run the gauntlet of trying to get a taxi because yeah. I had a car. So I actually became, and that was a revelation for me early on. I thought, actually, I've become more sociable over Christmas, mm. and I'm looking forward to the big day because I know I'm not going to wake up jaded and tired and I'm actually going to have the energy to play with the kids and mm. fully immerse myself in it and I'm not going to fall asleep as soon as EastEnders finishes or yeah. whatever it is you're watching. And like that Christmas, by the time Christmas Day rolls around, you're kind of half you're there broken. for the kids. Like you're yeah. not like really in it. Um, whereas without the al alcohol, you're like, I just found I was so much more mm. present with them. And, you know, it sounds a bit naff, but it was like really all about the kids. And yeah. it was such a, a joy as a parent to, to see that and just to feel really good on that day. Yeah. And to look good and, and have that momentum building towards the new year, because mm. typically let's just the stereotypical lifestyle that we lead for so many years and, and so did so many people, you absolutely batter it over Christmas and then you sort of, New Year's Day, it's like, oh, right, okay, <laughs> let's get my life back together. Yeah. <laughs> let's try and solve the world's problems in Jan. So in Jan, I've got to get fitter, I've got to get healthier, I've got to save for a house, I've got to do all these amazing things in January. And it's like way too much. Mm -hmm. So all the balls come crashing down by Feb. Yeah. And then it's back to, to square one again. And the build up towards Christmas yeah. repeat, you know, endlessly. Yeah. And then we do something that's so groundbreakingly different to the norm. It is, simple mm. as that. 
and it just opens up a whole new world to us. So what were some of the other benefits you started to notice as you're building momentum into that sort of 90 days? Um, so really early was the energy levels. Yeah. For me, that was like the biggest thing. Um, and I couldn't believe like how much energy I had. It was like annoying amounts of energy and just like waking up like full of beans in the morning. And, um, you know, I... I painted the downstairs of the house um, I did a I finished my uh, diploma in digital marketing which I've been kind of like limping through for months it's and I just amazing. like aced it um, I was out running all the time um, had energy to do things with the, the family and the kids um, and it was just like I just realized that I had been operating on about 70% mm. of what I was capable or even less uh, and I hadn't I didn't even know what running at 100% was like. And it was a huge revelation to me. Like it was, yeah, the energy thing was just amazing. Yeah, I was chatting to Claire McKenna just yesterday and she was saying that she spoke to a GP that said something really interesting to her. She said, most people won't even look for any help or support until something is functioning about 40% of its max. So mm -hmm. say you've hurt your shoulder, until it's actually at 40% wow. capacity, that's enough motivation for people yeah. to actually bother to seek help. And I reflected on that, I think, in our lives in general. And you touched on it there. You're probably operating about 70% or 60%. I think I was operating at 50%. And mm. I think it was just above that 40% mark that I wasn't really mm. seeking help. And I think so many people get stuck in that bracket for too long. And then you take a break from alcohol, for example, and you realise bloody hell yeah. for all those years i was operating at 50 percent. now i know what 70 percent feels like now i know what 80 percent feels like some days i know what 100 percent feels yeah. like that is a revelation in your career in the way that you move your body in the way that you interact with people in your temperament it's huge isn't it? yeah and the the work thing as well like the clarity of mind and mm. uh, that was massive because um you know you're out drinking on the weekend Monday, it's a slog. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's not dress it up. It's hard. Monday's are hard as it is. You're but just Monday's getting through, tired. really, yeah. aren't you? Uh, and then Tuesday, and as you get older, this gets worse. Yeah. Uh, so Tuesday, you're kind of getting back to yourself. Wednesday, you're on it. Thursday, you're thinking of like the weekend coming, uh, and it's just like that's the cycle. Um, and then as soon as I gave up, Monday was like my most productive day. I was like really? so on it. I was like ticking off lists. Yo, how you doing? Sorry, good that's, morning. That's right, how are you doing? I recognise your face, didn't I? Yeah. It's not Jerry, is it? No, no, it's <laughs> Yeah, good morning, folks. Hello. I don't throw my stuff in. Do you mind if I chuck it in? Yeah, yeah, just chuck it in. Sorry. I'm a manager here, by the way. Oh, that's oh, right. The just, in just in case you're wondering what the hell's going <laughs> We on. haven't broken in. I, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a podcast. We're having a quick chat don't worry <laughs> so you throw this in oh. and we'll get back to <laughs> you know, after swimming you're a bit all over the place uh, yeah 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 um, thank you Come on. Sorry for all right. that's all right cool we'll get back into it where was we uh clarity of mind clarity and of mind right let's um, go so yeah the mondays were uh became my most productive yeah, day was... and just like flying through the lists of things uh, was probably very irritating to my co-workers because they were on their recovery day. Yeah, you're like, bing, <laughs> Come on. let's go. Uh, so, yeah, and then that, that just, you sustain that for the week, like, so the amount of, uh, yeah, just the productivity that yeah. you, you were getting through was uh, amazing and nothing felt really hard. You know, mm. those things that, like, land on your desk and you just think, oh, God, this is going to be, like, a tough one. You're just able to tackle everything. Um, and that makes a huge difference, I think, to your, just your mental health in general, because um, you're not dragging yourself through through the days. Yeah, you're not on survival mode. Yeah. 
This is so important. These are the hidden benefits that people, I don't think, realise until you take an extended break and you go, oh, mm. now I get it. All those days that were hard, that they were a slog, that they felt like, oh, I'm just surviving this bloody life thing, all of a sudden become a bit easier. Mm. And suddenly that deadline that appears on the desk or whatever it is, you're able to handle with a bit more aplomb. That stress then is reduced and all of a sudden that five out of 10 becomes a six, becomes a seven. And even the things that you used to feel were real survival mode things, that you feel a bit easier. Mm. Like that is that's a revelation for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and there are so many like hidden benefits like yeah. that, you know, with your sleep and your skin and all of those kind of things. Um, but another, I suppose, major one for me was the more obvious of the, the hangovers yeah. um, because I used to suffer like really badly with hangovers. And I don't know whether some people just do and some don't. It certainly wasn't about the amount I was drinking because I could have two glasses of wine and be dying the next day uh, but my hangovers were like bad and sometimes I'd be like bed bound really? vomiting like right into like like right into the next night uh, and you know when I think about like you like my kids seeing me like that and like you know at the time I just didn't think there was any other option like don't be ridiculous I can't like not drink for my life it just it's um, one of those things you don't even consider isn't that it's completely this cultural blind spot that we have to alcohol and I was a bit like that I was checking out all these different things meditation eating moving the last thing I ever thought yeah. about questioning yeah because you don't God. want to you don't want to give yeah. it up like um and I, I laugh about people you know on those like all the the clean diets and the you know everything they're doing everything for their well-being and it's like and and you're drinking oh yeah yeah that's all right <laughs> yeah don't touch that bit. that's like yeah not not called into question at all i was talking about um oh, don't ignore. i was talking about this just yesterday again with someone saying that very often we'll spend all the time working on all these other elements yet the the elephant in the room mm. is always alcohol and it's normally the last thing that ever gets challenged or it just doesn't mm. it's almost not a pillar or a fault in most people's lives it's like that's accepted yeah. that's what we do and we've got to basically piece our life together exactly. around this thing yeah. that is alcohol. So then when you remove it, I think that's why people go on these massive transformations, not even mm. because of those lovely hidden benefits, because of the obvious mm. ones, like hangovers being removed. And we did some work with Christian Daly on heart rates. And what we noticed, if you took, and we did, we took two women, similar age, similar physical levels uh, in terms of fitness, would drink a similar amount, they were best friends, and when they would come in to train the following day after a skinful or a few drinks, we'd wire them up to their heart rate monitor. Mm. And for one lady, her heart rate would jump by five beats at rest. So that's still quite a big jump. So instead of her being, let's just say, her resting heart rate was 60, at rest it was now 65 the mm. day after. Her friend would jump by 20 beats. Right, if you think about that, my resting heart rate's 42 at the moment. So it's almost a 50% jump at rest wow. in your heart rate. And I think... What that shows me is that that's why some people really suffer mm. from hangovers and other people less okay, so. I think we're all physiologically yeah. very different. And I was a bit like that. I suffered mm. incredibly. I had that anxious, I just wanted to curl up in a ball and not see anyone or face the world. So it was devastating to my career mm. and my relationships because I just wanted to hide away from everyone and everything. Whereas last night, I was literally swinging off the chandeliers and I was the life and soul <laughs> of the party. And then the following day, I just wanted to curl up in a ball and just yeah. and literally hide away from the world. So when you remove that, the wind to your mental health and your momentum's absolutely massive, isn't it? Yeah, and the mental health is, is a huge one. Like I would have had a, a, like a bit of... Uh 
anxiety, I suppose, over the years. Um, nothing like too bad. Um, but definitely like it helped level that. And I've heard so many stories of people who suffered really badly and, and like the alcohol, you know, it's, it's like, it's just a catalyst for, for everything bad that's going on in your head, I think. Yeah. But equally, if we flip it the other way, which is the truth, I think stopping drinking or taking a break is the greatest catalyst for good. Mm, I yes. genuinely do. I know I'm completely biased and I own it. But I think for middle lane drinkers, and I always explain that, people that drink sometimes averagely, sometimes heavily, sometimes not at all, mm. sometimes moderately, which is, let's be honest, 75% of the population. I think if you're a middle lane drinker, the number one thing that you should do for basically any ailment is take a break from alcohol. Mm. If you're feeling a bit low on energy, take a break from alcohol. If your relationships are a bit strained, take a break from alcohol. If you want to get fit and healthy and optimize your physique, take a break from alcohol. Mm -hmm. I could keep going on and on. I'm on a real mission to make that, in my opinion, something that a, a GP level, a doctor's level, mm -hmm. if people present with certain symptoms, it should be right up there with those things that we talk to yeah. them about. And when you think about it, it's so obvious because like you're pouring into your body this poison that your body is then having to process. So all of your energy is going towards processing that and getting it out of your system. So of course you feel like crap. Yeah, it just makes sense. Yeah. And it's easy for me and you to see this because we're on mm. the fun side of the island, as I like to describe it, looking back in. And for so many people, when you're in there, it's very difficult to see it, isn't yeah. it? You can't see the wood for the trees. You're like, oh, yeah, whatever, bore off. I've got you know, no interest in that. That looks mm. really boring because people can't see it. And I think the effects are so subtle. That's why my life's mission really is to try and inspire people just to take a break. Because I know if they take a break, and we both know that, there's a point within there, and you described it around that 90 days, that sort of alcohol-free magic kicks in. It's like, oh... I get it now. Mm. Now I know what that ginger bloke has been banging on about for the last <laughs> eight years. I can see it. Yeah. I can feel it. Wow, I'm getting a new momentum. I've got more consistency in my temperament, in the way that I show up at work, in my nutrition, mm. in my movement. My relationships are better. My eyes are brighter. My hair looks better, whatever it is. That's such a powerful thing. And So that was your journey. You got into that 90 days and you had this, I guess lovely experience. Uh, I did, but I suppose, um, and listening to you talk there, I, I would like to talk about, a bit about the challenges. Yes. Um, because um, I would guess that you are an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not though. And honestly, this is the thing. You, you would think I am, but I'm not. Okay. I'm actually an introvert. Okay. And I can do this because it's just me and you. Yeah. And I can do Facebook Lives because it's just me and the phone. Okay. As soon as you put me in front of a lot of people, my energy is just drained. Mm. I just want to go away somewhere mm. and be on my own and read and all those classic introversion mm. boxes I would tick. I can play the extrovert yeah because i've trained myself to do it but that's definitely not my authentic okay. self well that's definitely not me no. <laughs> either so um, i think so we, we used alcohol. yeah we so. used alcohol to to be that social person and to be that person that we wanted to be um and i think like society pit puts a lot of um value on extroverts mm. and not so much on introverts so you so introverts end up aiming to be an extrovert, extrovert. and how do we do that through alcohol um, and you know when you're especially when you're a teenager that's that like that's a killer when you're looking around to your extrovert friends and you just want to be like that so you know of course we lean on mm. alcohol in our teenage years to be that person that we want to be um, but then that's all we know so 
every bit of socializing we do since we're like 15, 16 is with alcohol. Um, so you don't learn how to be yourself in those social situations without it. Um, and that for me, that was huge because going to the pub was hard and it was yeah. a challenge and it was like really uncomfortable sitting there and it took a while to find my confidence, to find myself and to be okay with that. Mm. Um, so that is hard. And I think a lot of people, you know, who maybe try giving up alcohol, that's where they, they not they fail, but they fall off. And what advice would you give to someone that was in those early stages that is maybe more classically introvert? Because I totally identify with that. It was my cloak into extroversion. Mm. And that was the bit that I said I could be that guy swinging off the chandeliers the night before. And the next day I just wanted to retreat into myself. Um, and I definitely, like you, used it as this vehicle into a different persona, as it were, because mm. all the sort of flamboyant extroverts seemed like so much fun. And like you say, when you're growing up, as a kid, they were the people that you wanted to be. Mm. And I wonder, I don't know if there's any research behind it. I wonder, is there research behind introversion and our relationship with alcohol? Whether more introverts are driven towards alcohol for that very reason yeah. would be interesting. But any advice you'd give to people in that place? Um, I think you have to go through those like few uncomfortable episodes. It's like you have to yeah. practice. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's no there's no way around that uncomfortable feeling and, and feeling a bit awkward those first few times. Um, but like anything with practice, you get better at it. Um, and then you'll kind of suddenly just realize one night that you feel confident and that you're okay speaking out and you're okay being quiet and you're just comfortable with who you are and that was such a gift and uh, very unexpected and whereas I thought the giving of alcohol would really kill my confidence, mm. my fake confidence, um, it didn't because you're, you're becoming okay with the person that you are um, and it makes those relationships a lot more real of the people that you're talking to um, and yeah it's just you have to, to go through those few and for some people it might be like two times feeling uncomfortable and for some it might be ten but the more you do it the better you get at it. Yeah, this is beautiful advice. And it's so true what you said about confidence. This is another huge win of taking a break from alcohol. Mm. And again, we have this misconception that alcohol is great for confidence. And then we fall into that trap of every time we need a confidence boost, mm. we have to turn to alcohol to get it back. Which, again, when you get some space for that and look in, that's just not great behaviour, is it, yeah. in terms of long-term solution to confidence. So when you remove it, you have to go a couple of steps backwards Absolutely. And there's some real challenges in there, like Christmas, like socialising, but you absolutely nailed it. It's a retraining. Because I actually think what alcohol does for many of us, it steals our opportunity to learn how to socialise without mm. it. Yeah. It becomes so easy. I mean, I started drinking in my teens, you know, mm. 12, 13. And every time I had a social occasion after that, yeah. invariably, I was either trying to get my hands on booze somehow, or I'd set the game up so we could have a drink before we went to the thing. Mm. So in those really important years, Instead of learning mm. to or continuing that process, because I clearly I loved socialising up until that point, I basically stole the opportunity mm. to learn those skills. So you just have to retrain them. Yeah. And you do come back different. Mm. And I think there's a deeper message here. I think it's about rediscovering your authentic self and getting comfortable with that. And that is so powerful. And like I said, I rediscovered that I was actually an introvert, which genuinely, if you'd asked me at 40 years old, were you an introvert or extrovert? I would have said extrovert. Mm. And it wasn't until the alcohol was removed. I read a brilliant book by Susan Cain. I'm sure you know it, Quiet. Oh, I've heard of it. Oh, you must, you must read that read book. You'll yet. absolutely love it. Mm. I read that book and went, Tara. <laughs> she was like, well, I went, I know what I am. And I left this dramatic pause. And I think Tara was probably thinking, 
the worst putter out of the bins in the world or like a fool and I was, I'm an introvert because I read this book and it was this revelation to me that actually all of that made sense. Now I knew who I was, I was rediscovering who I was. I didn't have to be that guy mm. in the bar anymore. I didn't have to lead the charge. I could turn up as me and I would be quieter and I would feel my energy drain as the mm. night went on. But I was okay with that in the end. Leave it to other people. And I started to make new connections and have deeper conversations around the mm. edges of those environments. And then you become a bit bulletproof because it's not a fake confidence. It's a real confidence that's a lasting confidence that allows you then to go into any social situation because you haven't got staged the alcohol game yeah. to get to a certain level to be able to turn up. You can turn up as you. Yeah. And you turn up differently but it's a powerful stance. And I think you radiate a new energy in those environments. I think that's attractive to people to want to connect with you or speak mm. to you because you've got a new energy. You've almost got a new power because you're not relying on this thing that basically everyone else is relying on to become this person. You are that person. Yeah, yeah, that's beautifully described, I <laughs> yeah. think. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. So what other challenges did you notice before we get onto some of the, the benefits? Um... I was lucky in that, like, my social circle didn't really, like, dismiss me uh, yeah. for it. And um, kudos to them because I have been that person on the other side of, That's like... That's funny, isn't it? You Most know, of us are. When you have, like, somebody who doesn't drink sitting beside you at a wedding or a Christmas party or something, you think, oh, for God's sake, uh, I'm stuck here now with this one. Uh, and, you know, I've been that person and totally had those thoughts. And, and you do. You just, like, like never trust a non-drinker. Um, um, so it was funny to be like on the other side of the fence and I, I kind of expected that response from people. Um, but in general, people were really, um, really open to it. Uh, I think they just thought I would probably do a couple of weeks and then You'll be, back. Know, be back to normal. Um, but it's like that's back to the to, to the power of one. You know, people notice you and see that you're happy, see that you're OK, see that you like look better and feel better. Um, and I think that gets their minds ticking as well so yeah it's a, it's a domino effect it is and we, we touched on that earlier didn't we that ability to turn up and radiate a new energy a new joy around being alcohol free is the most powerful thing you can ever do and i think that's why also a lot of people like a challenge early on because there's a sense that they're going to get their drinking buddy back which eases the social pressure a bit most definitely i think if people think this is a forever thing mm. that's too much also for the individual but also for their social group to accept it's like what what, what do you mean it's yeah. for everything and i think it feels like it's a, a diss or a slight on them whereas oh it's a challenge oh i can i'll accept that because yeah. i'm gonna get you back in a month and then it's two months oh, i'll get you back in two months and then it's three months and like oh, i'm not sure yeah. i'm coming back but then it's too late then because they can see very often the changes the positive changes and i think they tend to get on board then yeah and i think for people who don't like it um i think it's because it, you're kind of holding up a mirror yeah to them and also they don't want to be seen like by a sober person as that like slurring falling around yeah. individual and, and feeling stupid you know um so i think that's where that is coming from but um you know those people that's not your problem yeah it's so true and it's their problem and i remember actually interviewing Catherine gray on the podcast and she was talking about a time where she went to this lovely meal in italy this random restaurant in italy and the, the waitress came out and said, what would you like to drink? And I, I think a friend had some wine, but she said, no, I, I'm not drinking. And the waitress really went after her a bit and wouldn't let her alone. And call you, you know, you're meant to be, you're out here and you're all this beautiful, you're not going to drink. And really, really laid it on thick to the point 
Catherine was saying that she was almost in tears in this restaurant. Come on, this lady, mm. leave me alone. And that it wasn't until a couple of years later, Catherine had released her book, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, and um, that same lady got in touch with her and said, I am so, so sorry. Oh, wow. I was the waitress that night, but I was going through a really torrid time of alcohol myself, and I couldn't bear to be around you looking all radiant and happy wow. and joyous and not drinking. And I'm really, you know, I apologise for the way Amazing. that I behaved. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. So cool. But talking about books. Yes. Let's transition nicely onto your book. I want to make sure we get a really good chance to talk <laughs> about this. So The Accidental Soberista is a beautiful book. And would you mind just telling us the sort of story of how this came about and then maybe a little bit about the book? Um, I will. Well, I'll go backwards a bit. Yes. Um, because, uh, so when I was a little girl, Right. I had a couple of like life goals. Uh, one was to be a mother, which I had ticked off. Um, one was to write a book and one was to run a marathon. Um, and I was kind of in my 40s and I hadn't written a book and I hadn't run a marathon. And I'd kind of thought that they had like got away from me. They'd, they'd escaped and I would never get to do them. Um, and then I think it was like in the first year of giving up um, alcohol. I had this idea for a book. Um, myself and my uh, ex-husband, we, we um, separated, but we remained really good friends. Um, and I had so many people that I knew were kind of struggling with those, like the, the breakdown of, of marriages um, and didn't know what to do. And I just thought like, it would be great if we could kind of do a book together and, and do something on that. So I started, well, I pitched the idea to him first um, and then I started writing. Um, so within a year I had my book published. So that was my first book. Wow. Um, and it was a huge, like, you know, it was never going to be a, a bestseller. Um, but the amount of messages I got just from people, it were like, it, it, it helped people. That was the, mm. that was the aim of it. Um, so like I had ticked off that, that, big life goal uh, from my list um, and I'll go back to the marathon later. Uh, but once I had that book out there, it was kind of like I, I didn't feel any pressure to, to, to write another one. Um, but when we were in lockdown, I got an email from um, Gil, the, the publisher, um, who had written an, uh, or had read an article that I'd written in the Irish Independent and wondered whether I would be interested in, in writing this book. Um, and to be honest with you, because I didn't have that huge, like, I need to write a book uh, yeah. desire, I kind of thought about it and I was like, Do you know, I don't know if I have enough in me on that topic, like, <laughs> which seems ridiculous now. Uh, but I just thought, like, do I have a whole book's worth in me yeah. of, like, you know, going sober, I suppose. Uh, and I said to her, like I said, I don't know whether I have enough material uh, because it's not a, like a, a rock bottom story and, and coming through to the other side. It's just like a normal person's normal drinking story. And is that going to be exciting enough? Um, so anyway, I showed her some stuff that I had actually uh, written on it. Um, and she was like, yep, that's perfect. Um, we'd love you to, to write it. So um, it was in the first lockdown um, in May, I think, that I started uh, writing. So um, I would get up, go for a swim, uh, come back, write for an hour and then start work. Wow. And just wrote it over the, the next three months, yeah. Yeah, and it sort of charts your your journey, really, in many ways, mm. uh, through the accidental sober Easter. And it's lovely to see the way that you've written it because you've captured so many of those moments, I think, that people experience on that journey, which is really important, because I never did that. 
and, and I sort of, not that I have regrets, mm. but because I didn't really know. I was just on this adventure myself yes. at the time and there wasn't any groups or communities mm. that I could turn to. And, and I think quite a lot of people I'm seeing now, I've got a book in them or are thinking about a book. And because they've been quite active within a social community online, they've almost been able to take out, you know, day one and day five posts. Yes. And it's been, yeah. it's been really helpful. Yeah, because you have to kind of be in it if you're too far uh, like Removed. yeah or, or too far like past that point it is hard to remember those like yeah. initial feelings and emotions and, and difficulties um so yeah I guess it was it was the perfect time for that and then once you do start writing lots of other things kind of come back to you yeah um you know you're you're in the zone and and like yeah you just remember more stuff than that you like you didn't think that you would have um so yeah as i say like i didn't think i would have enough material but as soon as i started writing it was like oh wow this just is like flowing out whole can of worms yeah <laughs> yeah which it really comes out in the book which i've enjoyed so much and even again thinking about that myself it would be so nice to go back and see what my posts would have looked like on day two and day fives and i guess Mine's always been in my, my head because I've told the story a lot yeah. over time, but still it would it'd be really nice. And, and that's what which I love about the book is that actually seeing that sort of that charted all the way through. So if you were to describe it to someone listening, how would you describe the book? Um, oh, <laughs> I should have that ready. Just <laughs> should have my, this now. This is like the elevator, elevator pitch. pitch. Yeah. What does it say on the front there? Really <laughs> Discover the... <laughs> the unexpected bliss of an alcohol-free oh, life. Nice. There you go. So, uh, yeah, the title and, and, and uh, that strap line say it already because it was the accidental soberista. I didn't go into it intending to give up alcohol yeah. um, by any means. Uh, so that's where the accidental bit comes in. Uh, and then, yeah, the bliss of an alcohol-free life, like it was all those, just those unexpected um, benefits and, and just so many. And the kind of, the chapters, I guess, break it down um, into that, you know, the, the like there's the challenge of the so social sobering or the sober socializing even. Um, but yeah, all those benefits of the, like, you know, the, the sleep and the friendships um, and uh, your uh, body, your mind, um, you know, it just, it covers everything that was personal to me, but I've had so many messages from people going like, oh, that was my story that too. Was me, yeah. Um, so I think that they are kind of um, universal truths when you give up alcohol. So like it affects everyone a little bit differently. And some people, like for me, as I say, the energy was huge at the beginning. For other people, it'll be the sleep. Uh, for other people, it'll be the mental health. Um, but those benefits are universal. Yeah, and this is so true. And this is why books like yours are so important because I know there'll be a certain person or group of people that will really identify with what you're written because it is their story. And I think that's what's so important about the quit-lip genre, as it were. And, and I immersed myself in quit-lip. I loved it. You know, I've read all, basically all the books in that area because mm. for me, it was really important to be able to connect with people that are a bit like me. Yeah. So your story being a middle lane drinker, let's say, as opposed to a sort of slam off the bottom rock which is the traditional story around yes. alcohol and that's what I love about the book because it it drives much closer to my story and like I said I think it's that bracket of 75% of the adult population really sit mm. in that middle lane like us yeah and I think that messaging is really important because prior to your book and this new wave of quitlet that's coming out it was always that slam off the rock bottom it was the you know the, the devastation the absolute car crash rebuild which is a beautiful story don't get me wrong mm. but that wasn't my story and it no. wasn't your story and that's the problem because people think like i've either got a problem or i don't have a problem yeah. and it's not that 
simple. <laughs> so you don't have to be that rock bottom drinker yeah. uh, to actually have like a society has a problem. Yeah. We all we all have a problem with alcohol. Yeah, and I think that's so true. And that's why the book for me is really important for someone that might read that and go, oh, actually, that is me. I haven't gone to that place. I'm here. But equally, from that position, still as a middle lane drinker, and I experienced it myself, the rewards are so gigantic. That's the thing that I'm trying to portray to people. Mm. It's not about waiting to this rock bottom thing. Stop or take a break now. Because yeah. as we've just discussed you know, over this podcast, there are so many benefits mm. to this alcohol-free life. And it's so beautifully portrayed in the book. I urge everyone to get themselves a copy because it's an absolute cracker. And again, I think reading books and communities and all these things are so important for people's alcohol-free adventure, which I'm all about. Mm, so I think also uh, lots of embarrassing stories in there, <laughs> there about like the drunken years. <laughs> there is, there is. And you're really honest and candid. And that's important as well. I think it's important to have that honesty within the book and people are all connecting with it because the truth is we've all got those stories. Oh, everyone recognises themselves yeah. for sure, yeah. And that I think is again what makes it such a great read and also it builds that confidence that oh, I'm not the only one. There's other people that are a bit like me going through the exact same thing and they've written it on the page and mm. that's my story. Yeah. And look at the end result. Look at the vibrancy, the energy and the transformation that's happened at the end. I want those successes. Mm. So how do I get those successes? take a break mm. and have an experiment that is so powerful for me and that's obviously what I'm all about all right I think we'll take a place an opportunity to wrap it up there because we're gonna go for a swim now are, are you coming for a swim absolutely so we're going for a swim in the Irish Sea with the happy pair lads so we're probably gonna have to wrap this up and get our skates on to catch them for sunrise Kate, thank you for joining me. This has been such a pleasure and, and so, so nice good. to do it in person. Uh, and you were the first person, like you got me started on the thing with the one year no beer. So um, it's lovely to, yeah, come full circle. Yeah, it is. And, and that's nice that we've got that shared story together. This is just the start. We're just warming up the pair of us. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Cool. Let's do it. I hope you enjoyed this episode and to show the podcast some love, please subscribe and download and if you could tell just one more person about the podcast that would be amazing and don't forget i'm live every single weekday around 7 a.m on facebook and instagram if you want to come and interact live ask me questions i'll be sharing my best wisdom at 7 a.m every weekday live facebook and instagram at andy ramage official and also don't forget if you want to train with me to become a world-class coach go to andyramage.com courses and if you want to train with me to develop yourself also check out the courses it's all there andyramage.com also when you go to andyramage.com you can sign up to my newsletter there get all the updates on the latest and greatest courses get my weekly roundup of things that you might find inspirational aspirational and motivational in my weekly newsletter you can sign up at andyramage.com finally thank you to my sponsors of the podcast Athletic Greens for all their wonderful support and to the brilliant Matt McCormick for producing the show. All right, hopefully I'll see you back here very soon. Let's do this. Bye.